Welcome to this month's Divine Feminine Spotlight. I'm Shan Vanderleek, founder of True Balance International and the Transformation Goddess Experience. The intention of the Divine Feminine Spotlight is to share transformational stories of women who have learned to walk in beauty with the strength, courage, and pleasure of claiming their feminine sovereignty. Today it's my pleasure to introduce you to Edie Weinstein. Edie, also known as the Bliss Mistress, is an optimistic who sees the world through the eyes of possibility and teaches others to be the mistress or master of their own bliss. She is a colorfully creative journalist, dynamic transformational speaker, interfaith minister, licensed social worker, Reiki master, bliss coach, PR goddess, radio hostess, and the author of the Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary into the Extraordinary. Welcome, Edie. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Oh, me too, Shan. Thank you so much. This has been a, a while in the making, so we've, we've planted seeds for this quite a while ago, so I'm thrilled to be on the show. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful day to have you here, that's for sure. And I was looking through your website, and I've been following your work for quite some time on Facebook and out there in the social media land. I'd love to begin by having you tell us a little about your alter ego, Feather, and how she and Laughter have helped you heal your emotional wounds. Absolutely. Feather is a clown. And she started out as an angel. She's now a fairy. She's evolved or, or morphed into a fairy. And she got born, I'm trying to think what year it was, 19, probably 94, 93, 94. My husband had been diagnosed with hepatitis C in 1992. And it's a serious liver condition that left untreated or left unsuccessfully treated can lead to liver cancer or cirrhosis and eventually death. Uh, Michael developed cirrhosis of the liver, um, was diagnosed in 92, and died in 1998. But in the meantime, we met a woman whose work was clowning, and she introduced us to the idea that it could just be fun, playful street clowning. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I decided I'm, I'm not much with balloon animals or um, juggling. I've never learned to juggle. <laughs> I can juggle two, two balls at the same time. That's about it. In my real life, in my day-to-day -day life, outside the costume, I juggle a hundred of them. Uh -huh. It's been a hundred plates a day, and probably you do, and a lot of your listeners do too. But Feather uh, was a playful being, uh, dancing, singing, face painting, uh, just being with people and encouraging people to, to allow their, their playful inner child to come out. And I noticed that when Michael did clowning as well, the pain went away. Uh. He, he had some you know, times of... of of freedom from pain and his clown didn't talk which was really amazing because michael was a talker mm. his clown's name was bashful and he just was silent and he would point and make gestures so that's how how that happened uh, you know the woman that introduced us to clowning had worked with patch adams she may still i don't know Okay. And as a result, I got to meet Patch. And he's, he looks nothing like Robin Williams, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> he's, tall, he's got, he still may have a ponytail down his butt, a uh, handlebar mustache, but right. the, same, the same spirit, the same playful spirit. And in fact, we're opening in Philadelphia, where I live, a Patch Adams clinic, um, like what you might have seen in the movie, except probably a little more structured than that. But that's, that was my connection with, you know, with clowning. So Feather started out wearing white face, you know, traditional clown white face with a little heart on her cheek and a white curly wig. And her costume was my mother-in-law's beach cover-up. Uh, it was white, like a long white t-shirt with hearts, with red hearts and silver 
paint streaming through it. And that was my original costume. And then she evolved, she had white wings, like angel wings. Uh Then she evolved into a more colorful fairy with red and black and and purple, more gossamer looking wings. Um, that's, That's the outside. The inside is that it helps me to lighten up. And I teach people to lighten up with, you know, with the clowning. Now, I haven't done, I didn't do many children's birthday parties. It was more clowning at events. Um, I was a volunteer for Gift of Life Donor Program, which is a Philadelphia-based organ donation uh, advocacy educational program, uh, which I did after my husband died because he was waiting for a liver transplant. Uh So I did some volunteering for their, their donor dash, you know, dash for donor awareness. It was a 5K run. So I de- volunteered there. I volunteered for Gilda's Club. Mm. Which, are you familiar with Gilda? Radner? I am, yes. Gilda's Club is a non-residential cancer support community. So Feather is, is more of, she was a way of allowing me to play. I was too responsible, too much of a grown-up. So I don't do a lot of clowning now, but I do, you know, I do it without the costume. Right. But I keep two pair of wings in my car because you never know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I have bubbles and my, my car is filled, I have a Jeep and my car is filled with everything, I, almost everything I could possibly need for any workshop that I could be teaching except for the chocolate. Um, right. I always have chocolate at my workshops, but if I left it in the car, it would melt. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kind of messy. Yeah. So the idea is to find what I call finding the bless in the mess. Oh, yeah. And, you know, laughing in the face of So, you, you know, you've heard this, the phrase laughter is good medicine and it really is. It, it heals the person offering the, you know, the, the humor and it heals the, the people hearing it. So that's, you know, that's Feather. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. I'm, I'm really glad you did. And I, in my prior life in corporate America, I always had a drawer full of bubbles and stickers and fun and crayons. And I had a twister board on the floor and a punching <laughs> bag in the corner I got away with it for a while huh. until um, the corporate higher-ups became aware that there might be just too much fun happening in the in the uh, satellite office. We were the fun house, and they were the big house. But it was <laughs> it was amazing how much more we were able to enjoy what we were up to when we could infuse a little bit of playtime in into uh, all of that serious work. Oh, absolutely. And corporate America is really stepping up with that, that they are having more consultants come in that help their their staff to increase productivity by laughing, oh, by yeah. group games. Um, you know, I have, I, I, love, I just wrote down Twister. I used to have a board. I don't know whether I still have it, but it didn't, it occurred to me that that would be a good thing to have in a workshop that I do now too. Yeah. The other thing that I, that I didn't mention is that I also give out feathers at all my workshops. Uh, regardless of whether it's for a mainstream organization, I, I you know, or or more, um, they call it preaching to the choir, but people that are on a spiritual path or mm-hmm. that are a little, little more left of center, what some people call cosmic foo foo kind of people. Uh, but I gave out, you know, when I've taught at nursing schools, giving out feathers. Mm-hmm. When I teach at community colleges, um, I did a a workshop back in June for the staff of um, a center that works with children in need. And it, they, they work for a, um, a residential program. So I gave them feathers. We were in a, in a ballroom in a hotel, and I put feathers in everybody's seat. And the reason I give people feathers is to teach them to lighten up mm-hmm. and to tickle your fancy or whatever else you have in mind. So it's, it's a way. It's like a little lovey that you can carry with you. Right. Love it's it. Like hit, yeah, yeah so, that's great. I love feathers. They're all over my home. So mm-hmm. um, I can identify with, the, yes. with feathers for sure. 
Let's move into a, a new uh, line of conversation around your most recent personal transformation in the, in the last 12 months. I realize that we're constantly changing and growing and expanding, but I'd love for you to share maybe one or two of, of the transformations that you've experienced and, and tell our audience about that. Absolutely. And as I mentioned to you in an earlier conversation, that every day is transformative. It's not a once and done event. Mm-hmm. Transformation is constantly happening. And lately, what I've been focusing on is is a longstanding issue, is feeling like I'm enough. And I'm guessing, again, that most of your listeners face that in their daily lives, Mm -hmm. where they say, am I good enough? Am I smart enough, thin enough, pretty enough, rich enough, um, educated enough, successful enough? And usually the answer is sadly, no, I don't think I am. Mm -hmm. and, And I do that myself. I've got those alphabet soup letters after my name, you know, an MSW and LSW, Masters in Social Work, Licensed Social Worker. I've got a Rev in front of my name. I'm an ordained interfaith minister. Um, I've had 30 years experience in all of these, you know, therapeutic, recovery-based, journalistic fields. And yet often I feel like I have what I call imposter syndrome, Uh where people really (laughs) found out that, you know, what if I'm not as smart as I think I am? And what if I'm not as talented? And what, you know, and I, we can come up with all of these rationales for why we're not where we want to be. And it usually leads back to imposter syndrome. Uh You know, I fake it really well, you know, is what my monkey mind tells me. So I'm coming to terms with the idea that who I am and what I do is enough. I'm also peeling off the the mask. We all have a mask that we wear. And most of the masks are pretty. You know, we want people to, to think that we're happy and smiling and cheerful and we got it all together. You know, that we've got everything all tied up in a nice little package. But underneath that is a scared little kid for most of us. And I can certainly say for myself that when I go out there into the world, I put on that beautiful mask. And people assume that I'm confident all the time that I have it all together, that I'm you know, a master at juggling those balls or spinning those plates. And there are times when, you know, you, you know this, the, the um, scene from The Wizard of Oz, you know, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. This woman behind the curtain sometimes is furiously working those levers so that nobody knows right. that I dropped a couple of the plates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can completely identify with that. And I often refer to the mask as my mask of folly. And uh, removing that mask of folly, you know, being okay with, it's okay that we have them, but it's also okay that we remove them and that we completely accept ourselves exactly as we are, even when we drop a couple of plates. Right. Yeah. And, and it's okay that the plates break. Now I'm saying these words, I haven't quite absorbed them Right. and we teach what we need to learn. So I'm a huge believer in, in not being hypocritical, in saying if I'm working with clients or with students or with people that read my work, I'm practicing it. And what I found is that when I am transparent, when I'm vulnerable, people flock. They're, you know, I don't, my biggest fear and possibly the fear of anybody else who might be listening to this, thinking, thinking this is I'll push people away or people will run scared if they see that I'm not always all that in a bag of chips. And yet it's been paradoxical. People have said, Oh, we can, you're, you're more relatable now. We really get you. Yeah. We don't get the facade. Oh yeah. I have a friend that just got back from a two week retreat in Arizona. And when I told her about what I call my heartbroken open experience recently, her heart cracked open. She was gleeful. I haven't seen her since she's been back, but I could hear her on the phone almost clapping her hands like, Oh goody, you finally cracked open. You're, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not, you're not wearing this shell. 
And I, my shell came a lot from having to make it look good, uh-huh. appearances. And then the other part of it is that my mom died in 2010, and she was my biggest cheerleader. I miss her terribly, and yet she's so present in my life. But what happened after she died is that I was so busy spinning plates, taking care of her affairs afterwards. I, I was the executor of her estate, selling the condo, moving her stuff up here, getting some of her belongings to my sister doing my full-time work. Up until a year or so ago, I worked in a psychiatric hospital and I left that job a year ago. My sister's husband just died. So she's now part of the Widows and Widowers Club and I was there as support for her. Uh And I didn't really let myself feel. Uh So now, about two, two weeks, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, I had that experience where I just let the walls down and just let the tears flow and said, okay, Ah, I'm ready. <laughs> so that was the, that was a big transformation. That was the other, you know, the other big transformation. The other part of it is what I call savior behavior. I'm, I'm a recovering codependent. Um, <laughs> take, you, know, you, you know that that term. <laughs> I can fix, save, heal, cure, kiss all the boo boos and make them better, and you know. Yes. Um, and that I mean that's the facade. That's the illusion. And the reality is I can't. Right. And it's exhausting. But if that's my identity, you know, I'm the go-to person then it's scary to take that mask off. Sure. Because if I do, then people won't trust me and they won't want to be around me. And, you know, and I'm saying this, you know, the little girl is saying right. these things. The right. adult woman knows that it's crap. You know, right. that's really not true. When my little girl shows up in fear, it, I remind her that I stand before you with sword and shield. And you are not going to have to face this by yourself. You've got somebody with you that is, <sighs> that is standing here with you. And we're going to get through this together. And there's something so delightful about about that, about that knowing. It doesn't mean those things aren't going to come up because they do. But I have conversations with, you know, I have an altar right now with um, one of my young ones and a, a picture of my age, age seven, I think it was, and the things that the seven-year-old version of Shan found delightful and and maybe some of the things that she was afraid of and you know, just really honoring her. And it's been, it's been wonderful. And now as my young daughter, uh, she'll be 13 on August 17th, the next one will be the, the altar of the, the brand new teenager and, and making sure that I'm honoring her as, as I'm watching my daughter's progression. And, you know, there's just, we do what we need to do to support ourselves where we're at and to support those ones that remind us, hey, we're here and, and we're still afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I never wanted to show people that I was afraid. I always wanted to put that, you know, that mask of courage on. Me too. Because my mother made it look easy. She mm-hmm. always kept, you know, she, even when she was dying, she had um, digestive heart failure. And I, we went on what I call our hospice journey together. Uh, for the last six months of her life, I got to, to visit her seven times. She lived in Florida and I'm in the Philadelphia area. Whenever I'd ask her how she was doing, she'd say, hanging in there, babe, hanging in there. And I find myself sounding like her, uh-huh. looking like her, <laughs> saying things she would have said. My sister says, mommy would have said that. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we embody the best and, and worst qualities of our, of our parents. And she had, she considered herself shy. I never saw it. But she had, she had doubts. She had a lot of self-doubts. Was she anything in her mind more than Moisha's wife and Edie and Jan's mom? And she right, was. She right. had a multi-talented woman. 
that's part of my transformation too is owning uh-huh. you know owning my inner selma my parents get you know nice jewish you know selma and moish <laughs> but owning my inner selma is just yeah. you know, it is embodying the best parts of her oh that's so beautiful thank you tell me about some of your favorite sacred feminine rituals okay well i dance i love to dance um, I love to move my body. Now, I'm not a particularly um, elegant ballroom dancer or even, you know, when I've, take, when I've done Cajun or Zydeco dance, I've stepped on the toes of very kind partners who you know, <laughs> put up with me. Uh, but I just like dancing, spontaneous improv, you know, dancing. Uh-huh. Uh, what else do I do? Meditation. Uh, massage. I love massage. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a, you know, a... Um, touch fanatic. I also offer massage. I'm a massage practitioner. Drumming. I love drumming. Mm, it's definitely a, a huge ritual. Uh, I'm part of a, a community of people that do drumming circles regularly. And I lose myself in drumming, just like with dance. I, you know, if somebody says, here's a rhythm, here's what it's called. Can you remember it and then do it? And I say, no, I play by ear. You know, I can join right in. So it's a weaving with the community. It's a very, um, very healing, nurturing experience for me. I'm also part of, of full moon goddess circles, women's circles, where we chant, where we honor our, our female ancestors, you know, where we say, I'm Edie, daughter of Selma, granddaughter of Rebecca and Henrietta, uh, mother of Adam, you know, that, that kind of thing. We honor our lineage and that you know, we set intention. Um, I also write. Writing for me is a huge ritual. I do it professionally, but I also do it because I can't not do it. Mm. It's, it's a healthy addiction. <laughs> so. Right, right. Well, and you have a fairly new book out right now, The Bliss Mistress Guide. Yes. It what? came out, it got born September of 2011. So it's almost two years old, and it's The Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary into the Extraordinary. And where that came from, roll back the clock, I don't know, maybe five years ago, and I'm thinking about the work of Joseph Campbell, who talked mm. about the idea of following your bliss. And I thought, yeah, that's really good. You know, following something that, that leads you to bliss is still outside of you. What would it be like to BYOB, be your own bliss? So I created a workshop around that idea. And as I was te- walking in to teach it at a retreat, this woman said, oh, you're the bliss master. You're going to teach us how to live blissfully. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool you know, bliss master, but it didn't quite resonate. So later that day, I was on the phone with a man that I call my heart friend. His name is Jazz, and he's out on the West Coast. And he says, oh, no, not bliss master, bliss mistress. Hmm. And so when I tell the story to people, I say, you know, even though we weren't in the same room, you know somebody, I could hear the twinkle in his eye when he said that. And he added, if you're going to be calling yourself bliss mistress, you better be living it every day. So every day, I want you to come up with things that feel blissful to you. And that's some of what we talked about, the sacred feminine rituals, the, the writing. You know, all, all the things that turn me into a human sparkler. It's how I describe it. You know, what lights you up from the inside? What turns you into a human sparkler? That's your bliss, uh-huh. your passion, and your purpose. So the book is a series of stories, sort of like chicken soup for the soul genre, slice of life stories with what I call bliss kisses after each chapter that are questions that help people go further into inquiry about their lives. So there's one chapter called Living Orgasmically. And it's not just about the physical aspect of orgasm, but how would you live your life if, if you lived orgasmically? You'd be on fire. You'd be passionate. You'd be excited about everything. You'd be on the verge of, oh, my goodness. You know, like the, like the, um, the scene, everybody's favorite scene from When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. You know which one? I'll have what she's having. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So that's one chapter. Another one is called A Relationship with Chocolate. And do you know a woman that doesn't have a relationship with chocolate? <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> Two of the chapters were about the, the journey with my mom at the end of her life. And then there's a bonus chapter that your listeners are going to have access to. An interview that I did with His Holiness the Dalai Lama in 2008 when he came to Philadelphia, which was the dream of a lifetime, a dream into reality interview is what I call it. Uh I've been seed planting it for more than 20 years and ta-da! Yeah, right on. Right on. Well, you you have such an interesting story and I could... I could listen to you talk and, sh- and story tell for hours, I'm sure. And, and, I'd, and I'd love to be able to share with our listeners how they can connect with you mm-hmm. more deeply and then also how they can claim a copy of your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect that, that many listening are going to want to have their very own copy of the Bliss Mistress Guide. So, um, yeah, tell us, tell us how we can uh, best okay. get in touch with you. Marvelous. Well, the way to order the book, first of all, it's on Amazon and it's in, on barnesandnoble.com. The Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary into the Extraordinary. It's available on Kindle. And also for those of you that like the sensation of turning pages and the smell of a book and um, you know, make it a full sensory experience. And when you get the book, have chocolate or, or whatever uh, treat of, I was going to say drug of choice. Chocolate's my drug of choice. A treat <laughs> of choice next to you to in, indulge in. Take it into the bathtub with you. It's not waterproof, unfortunately, but Read it while you're, you know, as part of your, your daily nurturing ritual. So you can order it either on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. People can um, claim the, the chapter. I, I don't know whether we talked about it being on your webpage or if they want to email me. Uh, my email address is by divine design. That's B as in boy, Y, divine like God, D-I-B-I-N-E, design at comcast.net. They can connect with me via my website, which is live, L-I-V-E-I-N-J-O-Y.org. I'm also on Facebook as uh, Edie Weinstein. And then the other thing that we didn't mention, I have a weekly radio show called It's All About Relationships, and it's on Vivid Life Radio. And people can listen in every Thursday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And the way to tune in is Vivid Life, V-I-V-I-D, life, L-I-F-E, dot me. And it's also available podcast afterwards or, or archived afterwards. And I have amazing guests on the show. Oh, great. And we'll make sure that we have links to all of these wonderful places oh, so that, um, that anybody reading or listening can connect with you. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave the Transformation Goddess community with today? Absolutely. is to remember to honor the goddess in the mirror because you are love incarnate. You deserve all the juicy pleasure you have ever wanted. You deserve to have healthy relationships, a love affair with your life body that you love, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it can and can't do. Uh, you know, at 54, I don't have the, the slim, trim little body I had in my 20s, but this goddess body, uh, you know, goes to the gym four or five times a week and has, has been the repository for more love than I could ever have imagined. So I, you know, honor the body that you're in, honor the skin that you're in and, and adore the, the woman in the mirror. Mm, wonderful wonderful thank you thank you you so much Edie it's been such a pleasure and an honor to share time with you today and I just know everybody listening is going to enjoy our conversation and we'll be looking to um, get even closer to you as you move through your journey of life and continue to make uh, so many people feel good in their hearts and um, you're just a, a just a joy my pleasure Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity to reach your listeners. 
Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this month's Divine Feminine Spotlight. You're invited to visit TransformationGoddess.com to receive an enchanting audio series to awaken the goddess within.